It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff, and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And with the Jamal Adams fiasco going on, I wanted to bring back one of my friends who was a communications pro in the NFL, ran the Tampa Bay Buccaneers communications department for three years, and so he knows exactly how these things play out and what the Jets should probably do in terms of handling it. Also, he can help us break down exactly what Jamal Adams is doing. And, of course, is a man who now heads up his own PR firm, JAG Public Relations, John Grella. John, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Happy to be your uh, secret decoder ring uh, and, uh, and help Jets fans figure this all out. Uh, yeah, we need a secret decoder ring with Jamal. To be honest, we probably always did because his tweets have always been kind of strange and cryptic. But now it's gotten to the point where they're not strange and cryptic. He's coming right out and saying what he means. So let's start from his side of this. Ever since the trade deadline last year, and you came on at that time to talk about this, it has felt like Jamal Adams was trying to push himself out. Now, at the end of the season, he really ramped it up, and it seemed like maybe he was cool with staying. Now, all of a sudden, it's ramping up again. My theory is that Adams felt like, at the end of the year, the Jets were going to pay him. And so even though it wasn't his first choice to stay here, if they were going to give him 17 to 20 million or however much it was he was asking for, he would happily sign it and cash in. But once he started to think that the Jets were not going to pay him right now, that's when he went back to his original attempts to get himself out of here. Remember, we talked about last year when Ryan Clark went on television before the trade deadline and started saying things about how Adams would welcome a trade to the Cowboys, almost like a smoke signal to other teams. Now there's no smoke signals, right, John? It's just straight up, hey, here are the teams I want to play for. Trade me. Yep, leaving nothing to the imagination. So now we go back and look at it in retrospect, and we look at what's going on now, and as you said, try to be the secret decoder ring. Tell me a little bit about how you think this developed. Do you think that I pretty much had it right, that Adams had his mind made up before the deadline last year, Clark tried to help him push the eject button, then he feigned outrage, after the calls came and Joe Douglas was willing to at least engage in talks. And then at the end of the year, he figured, okay, I'll get paid. No problem. I'll stay. And then when it appeared that he's not going to get paid right away, he decided to go back to the push the eject button philosophy. That's exactly what, um, what it turned out to be. Um, if you give a listen to that episode, I think we laid out uh, exactly spot on what was going on here um, in that Jamal wanted out of town, saw, um, saw the opening, and uh, when, when the opening closed up again and the trade deadline passed, um, he had to manufacture a, uh, 
a storyline or a narrative that, that made the team look bad as opposed to him. Because as I mentioned during that podcast, Jamal wants to be popular. And he thought that he was on his way to Dallas to be, uh, to be uh, uh, applauded and, and adored. And uh, instead he found himself still in New York. Uh, and, and so he had to scramble to figure out a way to keep himself in the good graces of fans because it would have killed him for Jets fans to boo him at home. But now it seems like he doesn't care about that anymore. He's right out in the open. I guess he's reached the desperate part of this. Right. Well, as, uh, as it wouldn't be an episode with me and you if we weren't talking about professional wrestling. <laughs> and this is uh, tantamount to Hulk Hogan going NWO. This is the heel turn where where um, Jamal goes from being, um, you know, the president, the self-proclaimed, self-elected president, self-appointed president to being um, to being the, the most hated and reviled heel in town. So uh, he's going to do whatever it takes, as we said last time press all the buttons needed to, to eject his seat and get out of town. As they say in the wrestling business, John, you've seen every swerve and counter swerve that there is. So looking at this from the outside, but understanding how these things work, talk to me a little bit about what you expect to see from Jamal Adams next. What kind of leverage do you think he actually has? And how do you think he's going to go about exercising it beyond what we've seen already? Uh, leverage is the, is the right word here. Um, Jamal needs to manufacture some leverage for himself because if we're looking at this purely from a contractual standpoint uh, and a business standpoint, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. He doesn't have much leverage, right? The team has control of him for years to come, and he knows that, and his agent knows that. None of this is lost on him. You could say a lot of things about Jamal, but you can't say he's not smart uh, and, and crafty. Um, so, so he's trying to manufacture a situation where he gets himself out of town, but he knows, and his agent knows that he's not going to get a new contract. And if the team was dumb enough to, to extend him that contract right now, um, that would create a, a bunch of bad situations for the, for Douglas and the organization moving forward in that anybody could, could have a temper tantrum and, uh, and get their way. Um, so what the team is left with now is the option of either giving, letting him act up and then dealing him and players then learn that they, if they act up, they can get out of town or act up and get a new contract, which is a different kind of bad um, and probably even more dangerous. So he, he knows he doesn't have a lot of cards here, um, but the team, it, it'll be interesting to see whether the team is sensitive to the, to the, uh, noise if you will and or if they're or if they're gonna try to remain surgical about this and and uh and, and keep their eye on the prize which is which means keep keep in mind that he's under control for several more years and and, and you call his bluff and you say you know you want to sit out sit out but we have your control and we're not giving you your wish John, let's say Joe Douglas, Christopher Johnson, Adam Gase all call you into the office together and they say, John, you're our guy, your communications are. How do we handle this? What's the best way to go about this publicly? Would you tell them to do exactly what you just said and more or less call Adam's bluff and then publicly allude to the fact that, as they've said before, they have no intention of trading Jamal Adams? Or is there another route you would go? Okay, so... Here's here's an important consideration as you 
um, seek to understand the whole of the landscape, which is that football coaches and football executives want to focus on football. Everything else is a distraction. So if they think that if they get out there and, and say something once, that it should diffuse the situation, let's move on, let's uh, return to football. So um, that's not what's going to happen here because Jamal is going to just get louder and louder. So they're going to continue to let this thing fester. Um, and, and, and to be honest, uh, he's going to have to go at some point. It's just a question of when. Your hope is as a fan and, and somebody internally who's rooting for, uh, rooting for the organization to, um, to improve its reputation as opposed to continue to play into the stereotype about um, how the Jets are and, and, and the kind of fortunes they have. And, and what they need to do is, uh, is take control of the situation, which means either go out there and decisively say he's not going to be dealt or here's our plan for resigning him. Um, here are our true intentions, um, or, or then deal him. Uh, you only have a few different options here. He's going to continue to make noise almost no matter what you do. And it's a pick your poison kind of situation. So um, as is the case frequently with crisis PR, you're not choosing between three bad options and one good option. You're often choosing between um, one bad option, another worse option, and yet another even worse option. So um, fans, in my view, um, should take comfort in the fact that, this player has value, uh, and if we do end up trading him, we will get um, something good in return. If we don't get value in return, then he's going to remain on the team, in my view. Um, and it's going to and and let's be clear, because he plays a non-premium position, it's going to be hard to deal him. So I'm not saying that they're going to deal him or not. I'm saying that if they do deal him, they're going to get a nice haul in return. And it's not going to be the nonsense that you're seeing on Twitter. Um, Joe Douglas is only going to deal this player if he gets value in return. And, and, and Jamal does have a lot of value, even though uh, he, he plays a non-premium position. We talked about how to handle this from the standpoint of publicly being able to stay in communication with the fans and let them know what's going on without losing any kind of leverage. But how do you handle this in a way that Jamal Adams' value on the trade market doesn't drop? Because at a certain point, if teams think you're desperate or if they think that Jamal Adams is too much of a headache, now all of a sudden those offers might go down a little bit. What do you do from that standpoint? This is the irony of it all, that Jamal Adams felt disrespected um, several months ago and was comparing himself to Tom Brady and Aaron Donald, and yet he's doing everything he can to reduce his value, right? Remember OBJ and, and, and other players who've done things to make themselves uh, a, lower, uh, a lower asking price or give themselves a lower asking price, which is so ironic because they, what, the origin of all this, the genesis of all this was disrespect. Uh, or at least we're supposed to believe that. So if you're looking at this from Jamal Adams' standpoint now, John, let's bring you in on that end because I know Jets fans don't want to hear good advice given to him, but I am curious what you would tell him in his camp. What would you be advising him to do 
if his end game is to both get paid and get out of here, but more especially get out of being on the New York Jets, what are you telling them to do? Do you think that how they're handling it so far is the appropriate strategy, or would you have a different strategy in mind? Well, uh, it, there is an argument to be made that him lowering his asking price by being, by rendering himself radioactive um, will facilitate the trade better. Right, the higher his value is, the the harder it's going to be to find a trade partner. Um, but if but if he turns himself into a uh, you know everything must go situation, then maybe they they'll have, they'll feel like they have to flip him and for less. So uh, I I I suppose even though I hate this that that Jamal is going to have to continue to make noise and be the squeaky wheel. Um, that's the only way this is going to be done from the team standpoint. They've got to regain control of the narrative. The, the team, Douglas, has, has to get out there publicly and, and declare their intentions and, and then execute, right? If they're going to trade him, trade him. Um, but I, my hope is that they let the game come to him. But they should get out there publicly and not let him own the narrative publicly uh, if they care. My concern, though, is that the player, especially this player, um, you know, who's who's always been outspoken and gregarious and and has some maybe sociopathic tendencies. <laughs> kidding. Uh, <laughs> that 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 the player is always going to make more time to be a showboat and to play this out publicly. The team is always going to be more secretive, much more football focused, and is going to try to keep their head down and hope it goes away and blows over, um, which is not necessarily realistic. Um, but but they, they do have some semblance to control here. And if they could, if they could put earplugs in uh, and just focus on football, they've, they've got some very nice leverage. They just can't let the coverage get to them. They've got to, they've got to do what's right on the merits uh, and, and find a partner um, who gives them value in return. So it sounds like you think that Jamal Adams' best move is to continue making noise and leaking things to Ryan Clark and people like that in the media to help amplify what he's trying to do. From the Jets' standpoint, should they be counter-leaking? Should they be feeding information to people like Manish, Brian Costello, the other guys on the beat, some of the TV stations, radio people, to try and counterbalance this and paint a different picture of the narrative? Well, I, I don't know that leaking is the right course of action for them because they're going to end up looking like a heel and a player. It, it's always a dangerous dance when you're in a public battle and one side is willing to go further than the other side can, right? The establishment, let's say like a corporation or uh, an elected official wants to get reelected, wants to uh, retain the public trust and, and is has some boundaries around how far they can go. Um, if you are a plaintiff or a complainant in a situation, you're willing to to burn it all down and make a lot of noise. Um, so that's a, that's not a great matchup for the Jets in terms of the public battle, but the comfort can be found in that the public battle is not the whole of the ball game, right? There's, there is a business and football side of this that, um, that, reminds us that the team has control and has all of the football and business leverage over the player. The player has, has advanced, has an advantage in the public realm, which is less important, but, uh, and, and it's only as important as, as it, uh, gets to the, gets to the team, uh, gets under the team's skin. 
So, um, so that's, that's how I would view it is if you could tune out the public stuff and plug your ears, um, the Jets retain control. Jamal wants to drag the situation out into the public because that's his best bet of, of looking better. Um, What's most interesting to me, though, Scott, is if we're a month for what is supposed to be training camp, um, and, and that's around the time where the team elects and reelects their captains, uh, it's going to be hard to uh, see how this guy retains uh, his captaincy uh, moving forward. Uh, it, a player who, uh, who may be against the establishment, against the ownership, against the coach, can continue to lead men even though it's, it's, it's um, displeasing to the organization, to the executives um, of the franchise. But in this, in, in this instance, um, we are reminded of what happened last fall and when uh, we talked about what Francesa said, which is that Jamal Adams continues to take himself away from the team and separate himself from the team. So you could be a charismatic leader of men for the bad, uh, which is one thing, right? Which is what you'd call a locker room lawyer. Um, and uh, I remember, remember Pete Kendall um, and, and guys who raise a ruckus and, and have followers. But if, but if Jamal's style is dangerous here is because he, while he may have great relationships with his teammates, his, his teammates continue to see him separating himself from them, demonstrating higher value over them, and it's going to be very challenging for them uh, to sincerely cast a vote for him to continue to be captain because he's not leading them uh, just in a different direction from the coach. He is separating himself, and he's packing his own bag. John, you just touched on a very important point in terms of Adams, not just with his outside value or with the fans or the media or the public thinks, but the players on the Jets, his teammates – from a comm standpoint, if you're the Jets, how do you turn this so that, like you said, Jamal's teammates don't end up all in unison taking his side and instead see this for what it is? I don't think that Jamal is trying to be the Pied Piper and lead his teammates away from a regime, right? If there was a revolt against a coach, and I've, I've witnessed that, um, that's one thing. Uh, but in this instance, he's not saying, come with me. He's, he's packing his own bags. Not He's not packing up the whole family's belongings. He's just packing up his own. Um, so I, I think they see that. Th- that said, players have a much more understanding perspective when it comes to um, one of their teammates getting value and chasing money, right? Because they all, they all say, hey, I'd love to have the big money too. I got to respect that the team will always do what's in their best interest. So I'm not going to begrudge my teammate for, for going to get his. So um, normally they would understand such a thing, but, and I know he's incredibly charming and persuasive, but I do think that he's shown, he's exposed himself and he's shown his true colors here and that this is not about leading the locker room in a different direction from a head coach that he doesn't care for or a GM he doesn't care for, but rather doing himself at the expense of his team. 
While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. What about for players on the outside looking in here? There are some who have suggested, and Manish is one of them, that Jamal Adams being a superstar, however this is handled, is going to reflect either very positively or very negatively on the organization in the eyes of players that the Jets may need to attract here in the future, or as you said, players that are already here and need to be re-signed. What do the Jets need to do to come out of this not looking like an organization that's unfriendly to players and that players would want to avoid? You don't want to be in a situation where players are looking at this from the outside and saying, well, if this is how they treat their best player, then I want nothing to do with this team. All right, so the easy answer to that question is don't leak against the guy, and then whatever you say publicly, is gotta, you've got to own it and say, I approve this message, right? So Joe, Joe Douglas doing interviews publicly and not leaking against the guy would, would, um, would be step one in that direction. But this player um, is not going to dictate how other people view the organization. I know that it's, it's sport for uh, beat reporters to – crap on the organization and say that they don't understand because they, the, the reporters themselves are demonstrating higher value vis-a-vis the organization by saying the organization is, is, uh, is a mess or is a circus. And if only they were as smart as me, um, that's nonsense, obviously. 
but but substantively if from a leadership standpoint you can you can mess up in two totally different directions you could be overly rigid and and player unfriendly or you could be overly um appeasing and and overly player friendly and then you become a pushover right so what situation do you want to be in? Do you want to be Do you want to be the um, the babysitter that the kids think they can run all over, or do you want to be the babysitter who maybe isn't as popular with the kids, but um, but has the trust of the parents? <laughs> I think the trust of the parents is probably the most important thing. That's if you want to get another babysitting gig, at least. John, since this isn't your first rodeo, all said and done, how do you see this playing out? Okay, so. Jamal was drafted in at the top of the first round, and I think I think we all agree he's at least performed to that level, if not more. So fair compensation for proven talent, and obviously um, a top five talent uh, uh, or top five draft pick doesn't always turn out to be a top five player, as we found out painfully over the years. So you're going to have to pay them the equivalent, uh, more than the equivalent of that. So. The trade partners that, that Jamal has, has stipulated are all going to be likely drafting toward the end of the first round. So that first rounder is not enough, even if you're willing to part with that. So you're going to have to throw in something on top of that. I like the idea of like a Michael Gallup, um, you know, because the Cowboys seem to have a surplus of receivers. Um, so the, the combo of a first and a viable player sound nice. The challenge is that those teams are going to give up a weapon to get a safety, right? So it's a really tricky part. And, and I guess it, if you um, want to be comforted, uh, you can know that Douglas is sitting there and saying, until you offer me a weapon, like a, a, a wide receiver one um, or a left tackle, then don't bother calling. Um, and, and if he could to, just tune out the noise and let the game come to him, he can deal from a position of strength. So um, that's, that's the bottom line here. You don't deal somebody like Jamal Adams with that talent, that young age, several years of control left for peanuts, right? And, and, and this, this should be a reminder to all Jets fans that uh, almost like that, I know you're a Seinfeld guy too, the, uh, the cashmere sweater with a pole in it, right? <laughs> Jets fans love and sports fans love to say, ooh, let's go get that player. I've heard of that player before, Odell Beckham. Well, this is what it feels like to have a player like Odell Beckham, okay? So, so lest you covet that, that cashmere sweater with a pole in it, there, there are um, no free lunches. There are no players who've been explosive in one place who decide to be um, choir boys after that. They, it is just a, not a question of if, but when. I, I remember saying this to friends about uh, Deshaun Jackson, right, when he came to the Skins, I believe. And, and you say, this is a really good player, but you need to make peace, peace with the fact that he's going to blow up. It's just a question of when. Is it, is it worth it to you if he plays two seasons for your team and then blows up? It's not, a, it's not at all realistic to say, I hope he behaves himself, period, end of story. He's going to blow himself up. He's going to make himself 
a nuisance at a certain point. So maybe we should all think twice about trying to acquire players who are um, toxic in their own ways. And I know they'll protest and say that I'm not toxic. I'm just trying to get what's what's owed to me. But I think we all know um, that they the best teams have harmonious locker rooms, have, have guys who are bought in and, and are team first. So this is not the kind of guy um, that you want to build a team around if you feel like he's got one foot out the door and he's always looking out for number one. So let's, let's keep that line moving forward and not jump at every player who might be available by virtue of their bad attitude. When you look at what Jamal Adams has done since the trade deadline, my theory has been that if you looked at what Ryan Clark had to say, not only did Jamal Adams want out of New York to get away from the Jets, but a big part of that is because I think at some point he lost faith in Sam Darnold because remember Ryan Clark came out and said disparaging things about Sam Darnold, about how he's not that great, and went on to get some real flack for it from Jets fans. But the fact remains, Clark is very widely considered, and with good reason, to be Jamal Adams' media mouthpiece. So if he's saying this in the context of what's going on with Jamal Adams, you have to think that at least on some level it's coming from Adams himself. Do you think that's a big part of why Adams decided he wanted to get out of here? Because in addition to not getting paid this instant, he looked around and said, I've always been a winner. This team's 16-32 and 32 the last three years. Adam Gase is the coach, and I don't believe in this kid at quarterback. If I stay here, I'm dooming myself to a losing situation for the prime years of my career. I need to get out of here. Help. My read on this is, is quite a bit different. I think that he is competitive and wants to be the alpha dog in New York. And so by diminishing Sam, he's one, making it so that the team wants to trade him, which is you know to give him his wish by saying something about their golden boy. But if he's going to stay, he wants to be the highest paid, the most beloved, the most popular, sell the most jerseys. So I don't think that Jamal Adams has a substantive gripe with Sam Darnold's abilities at all. Interesting theory, John, as always, and that's why I always love talking to you because you see things in a way that very few people do by virtue of your intelligence and your experience. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about this again. I really wish we didn't have to do this podcast, John. I really wanted this to work out for the Jets and Jamal Adams, and who knows, it still might. Because money talks, and if they sit down and figure something out, there's always that possibility. But I really wish that we didn't have to keep explaining what's really going on with this situation. But I am grateful that since we do have to do that, I've got you to talk to and help be, as you said, the secret decoder ring. John Grella, president of JAG Public Relations, former three-year communications director for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I know by the time people are listening to this, you're going to be in Cape May enjoying yourself. So I hope you and the family have a lot of fun out there. I'm jealous. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I appreciate that very much. And, and one thing that crisis communications professionals know is that if, 
if you want the phone to ring, then you can't hate the crises too much. So um, I'm happy to get to get these opportunities and get some extra playing time on on uh, play like a jet because uh, because if everything was peaceful and copacetic, you wouldn't need me anymore. <laughs> John, I'll always need you. You know that I got to talk '80s wrestling with somebody, don't I? <laughs> uh, I'm always here for that. If anybody wants to talk 80s wrestling with you or Jets or pick your brain on communication stuff or hire you for a project, how can they get a hold of you? I appreciate it, Scott. So uh, my website is jag.ninja. Um, Twitter handles are at Jonathan Grella and at Jag Pub Affairs. Um, you can find me, uh, and, I'm, and I'm certain that Scott will uh, will uh, tag me in, in an up- upcoming tweet um, as this episode comes out. So so please give me a follow. Um, my uh, my interests are, are eclectic. A lot of pop culture and sports, some politics, and and always some, uh, some laughs. So uh, give me a look. Go ahead and follow John on Twitter. And if you need a communications professional for a project you're working on, trust me, you're not going to get anybody better than John. So make sure that you reach out to him. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time. Doesn't cost you any money. But it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.